Welcome everyone to another episode of Paths Uncovered. It's a podcast where we get to go through untraditional pathways into technology and the careers within it. As if you're in the mood for career changing into technology, I think you've come to the right place, especially with today's guest. I've got an amazing guest on today and with a really, really cool career as we've got Tess Garrett on today. Hello, um, my name's Tess. I'm a Melbourne-based uh, software engineer, slightly untraditional path of having had a fashion degree and somehow writing code for a living now. I love it so much. And I think um, I've actually got a guest in the soon future. I think we're just booking in dates and stuff. Who's gone the other way, like literally the exact opposite of yourself, where she had a proper like tech career and has started her own fashion line and everything while in the tech career. And I'm like, that's the reverse and traditional path that I'm into it. But I'm so excited to hear how everything kind of changed around. So just for context, people, uh, me and Tess met last week Thursday yeah I feel like I've seen you around at some community events like in general anyway yeah um but yeah we were kind of chatting and we were at women Coat. I'm like someone (laughs) anyone here I'm sure there's many of the women here that have had untraditional pathways into technology and I'm like please let me know so I can stop hunting people down help (laughs) and Tess was lovely and she was like yep it's me (laughs) I feel like I just like fulfilled the brief at that point untraditional (laughs) 100% and I was so excited and I think like a few other people reached out too so I'm like really really excited for the next like few episodes that we've got lined up look we'll dive straight in uh take us back to kind of high school college times like what was happening I mean you did you just said you did a degree in fashion so where did that come from how did you end up there so I I always was kind of hearing on the side of like creative pathways um yeah I studied fashion design at TAFE before I decided to go get into a uni degree and yeah I took it really seriously I was all about um you know looking the part I got my red lipstick on every day and um I was a bit of a design nerd though I have to say that I wasn't so caught up in um kind of the fashioniness about it I really loved um I loved pattern making and I love actually making clothes and um sometimes I think that maybe it does make sense because it is engineering in a way like there are a lot of kind of problem solving aspects to making clothes that fit a body because everyone's got such different bodies right um yeah I really loved that part of it and I just yeah I love building things from nothing so being able to yeah make clothes just from a piece of fabric and then actually at university I took it further I was making fabric I was weaving and knitting so yeah, it was really, the appeal was definitely about making something out of nothing. Um, and yeah, I really loved it. And I went on to having my own business for a few years. And um, yeah, it was kind of, it's I think, I mean, when you talk about like the building something out of the nothing, I mean, the amount of like YouTube spirals I've gone into where they're like, this is how I made my own like pair of pants. And I'm like, I can do this, surely. And then you're like, look, and you're like, no, I 100% cannot do this right now. <laughs> And I think it's just such yeah. like on I can't think of the word now. Underserved? No. I definitely can't think of the word. But like it's just not underappreciated. That's what it is. I was like, what's the term? Um but yeah, like it's such an underappreciated thing to be able to just do. Like do you build a lot of your like build? Do you still create a lot of your clothes? Sorry, I think it's just such a random question, but like Um I do I I used to. Um I actually make my dog a lot more clothes than I make myself. Because he's a whippet and he likes, you know, having his turtlenecks in winter. <laughs> so I do like to sew still, but mostly for him, not so much for me. 
I mean, I think it's a great use of it. Like, let's be real. It's come out very handy at the end of the day. <laughs> and also, we would love to see the photos of him dressed up. I mean, that would make me very happy. <laughs> but I can send through. Yes. So you were doing the TAFE degree. Um, what was next? You said you kind of started a business out of that. Yeah, so after I finished my degree, um, I, I had started a business already. So I was actually manufacturing a women's wear label. I was uh, manufacturing in India, and then I was wholesaling to a few stores uh, between Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, and Melbourne. Um, so it was all about, yeah, selling the sample range, like going and meeting these store owners and selling my collection and then they would put in an order and I'd go into production for that collection um, and then yeah supply the goods three to four months later and start the cycle again so that was kind of yeah it feels like another lifetime ago to be honest but that is yeah. amazing and I mean like you had this idea and like you just kind of started building essentially um, like you knew you liked patterns you knew like creating things how did you actually start kind of decide to do the whole like I'm going to make a business out of this and I'm going to go sell these things? Yeah, I think I definitely had a, like an entrepreneur mind um, when I was younger and in my early 20s. And I, yeah, I just, I felt like I just knew exactly what I wanted clothes to look like at the time. It's a weird thought now. And I just, yeah, I felt really confident about just going out and starting my own thing. And I, I loved the idea of of building something that was mine and getting to work for myself um and yeah i got to i felt like the opportunities came up with the like production contacts in india through friends of friends and then it kind of just all seemed like it was possible so i felt like it just lined up for me and i just went for it i like that and i think it's like those kind of things especially it's it takes a different level of skill just being like wait these things are lining up like oh my god no this is this is an actual thing that I should try right now (laughs) because I feel like that's happened and so many people talk about it like oh that could have been a thing I'm like you could have definitely done it like it was there you should have taken the shot (laughs) definitely yeah it's daunting sometimes oh but yeah that's the exact the other end of it where it's like Mm -hmm. this isn't what everyone else does like this is such a off-beaten path you're like oh this doesn't look right how do we make this decision (laughs) yeah totally but um, okay, so the business is kind of flying. Um, so you said you did that for a few years. So how did that like kind of come around to an end, I guess? Or did that even yeah. stop? Yeah, so um, it's kind of like just life, a mixture of life, mental health, and just progression, I think, was that is what came to an end. I moved to Melbourne with my ex-husband. Um, he got into medical school, and so I became the main breadwinner uh, in our relationship. And... I was, you know, trying to make a little bit more money than my business was bringing in, you know, a young business, not not really paying for yeah. itself just yet. Um, so I started working part-time at a university, working in student services just behind the help counter, basically. Um, and yeah, I just really liked my job. I still was juggling doing the business and I was finding it a lot Um I was getting a lot of anxiety around like perfectionism um, in my sewing because I switched from producing in India to doing smaller production runs um, just by myself. So I had gotten some industrial machines and I had set up a whole home studio. Um, and yeah, I think definitely if there was, if I knew there was one stitch that was slightly crooked on the inside of a garment that was completely inv- invisible to everyone. I would just feel 
like so much shame towards it and it really started to take its toll and I thought maybe I need to just give it a break and yeah I, I was really enjoying my job at the university and kind of at the same time that I was feeling a bit of a bit of pressure with both gigs I got the opportunity to become the manager in the student services team that I was um, working in um, and so I took the full-time role and ended up um, ended up stopping the business like about a year later when it just kind of I don't know I lost the the real buzz that I had for it I think before yeah and I think I mean like it's a, it takes a whole different level of like okay I know this needs to stop even though I mean I like it I like what I'm creating and that kind of goes back yeah. to the whole why you started it in the first place right but like I like that you appreciated the fact that the perfectionism was kind of kicking in and I think yeah. even for the podcast I remember at the start like every little sound I would go and be like no like this extra uh shouldn't be here or like yes. I'll shorten down like instead of the one second gap that was there I'll shorten it to half a second so yeah. that people don't and I'm like it was just so ridiculous like nebulous <laughs> little things and you're like um yes and I mean this is too much so I'm like okay I can't show it. like 40 people are gonna listen to this like is this really <laughs> worth your time right now no and will anybody listening to it notice a half a second more that they've gotten yeah of like non-silence it was a weird kind of a little thing but I get that where you're like I feel underneath like, something you yes. can't see it and it's like bugging you I know it's that's basically yeah it's the exact same experience it's just yeah a bit too much but and I had just you know kind of disconnected with the fashion scene a little bit I wasn't um, I was having some ethical dilemmas about producing clothing and I was like, what, you know, what's my purpose? What am I doing this for? And yeah, it basically just ha- the reason I went into it because everything was lining up. It just seems like things just weren't lining up anymore and I wasn't really prepared to fight it. I was just like, cool, yeah. I'm happy with this new role. I was getting opportunities to, to be a leader at work and I really loved, um, yeah, the, the job that I had. And so I was okay with it and, yeah, kind of just veered in a different pathway. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Paths, you know. Yeah. They're all just there. <laughs> it lines up really well. No, and I think, I mean, especially with those kind of things, and I think it's a lot easier in this day and age of like, okay, no, this is this has run its course. Mm. I could kind of drag it along yeah. for the rest of my life if I had to. Like, yeah. it's fine. But I like that it was like, okay, no, it's fine. Let's just try it. That's okay. Let's move on. Like, pivot. It's great. Yes, I love this. Pivot, definitely. <laughs> So you're in the student center and you're now leading the teams. How's yeah. that all going? Like, how's all the leadership kind of stuff kicking in? Yeah. Especially kind of going from running your own business kind of almost solo. Yeah, that was like a really interesting time in my life because I think I was, what, 24, 25 when I started. And I was the youngest person in my team, but I was also the youngest employee on the whole campus out of the 150 teaching staff and various other academic staff. Um and I was in this kind of funny position where, I don't know, I just, it made perfect sense that I was in the role because I was really confident. I knew my job really well and I had really good rapport with all our students. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun for a long time. And then, then I started putting my hands up for everything. Cause we had a, a somewhat of a big staff turnaround and we grew a lot. Um, it was a small mm-hmm. private college when I started and it became a big, um, like national university with like nine mergers and you know all of these things like we went through about having about 500 students to having about 30,000 um 
And so, and I grew, I had two staff members and in the end there was eight, um, but I had inherited some of them. And so it was always tricky navigating, um, especially as a young woman. Um, yeah. And I was, you know, wearing glitter jumpsuits to work and then having to talk to 50 year old accounting professors about, um, you know, student complaints and things like that. And, you know, it was difficult for them to take me seriously. Um, and I kind of loved that dynamic, to be honest, as you know, I knew my role. <laughs> I like that you stuck to it though. Like it makes such a difference. I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. And it, it brought along, I mean, it was a very rewarding job because basically I was a student advocate at the core of all of that. I was just making sure that students knew how to navigate their education. Um, and so I was dealing with complaints, with disabilities, with um, any kind of special needs that students might have in different areas and guiding my team to help the bulk of our students. But then, yeah, I went through a kind of a bit of a burnout at the end, basically. I just, I, I was there for so, for four years in the end and I was I ended up being one of the longest, you know, I, I'd look around and I'd barely see anyone that I'd been working with, um, you know, four years ago. So I became kind of the go-to person that had the knowledge in their head and everyone asked me questions that weren't necessarily related to what I was supposed to be doing and I just I was really busy and um yeah it was yeah it was, it was tr- tr- tricky and I was commuting to Sydney uh Tuesdays to Thursdays for quite a while working on um like internal projects that I would always go yeah I'd love to be involved in that um great opportunities but just too many at the same time um and so yeah I just woke up one day in Sydney and rang HR and said, I need to go home. Like I'm not good. And I took a month off. I had a huge burnout. Yeah. And I, God, I think, isn't it just so irritating sometimes where it's like, this is actually so great. And I enjoy doing this, mm-hmm. but oh my God, I have literally run myself into the ground yeah. trying to do everything I want to be doing. Yeah. And so I just, I mean, I kind of went through a mini one like the last year and I was just, I'm like, and for me, it was always a case of like, I would say yes to things in the future, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, can you come do a talk? No stress. Whenever, book it in, not a problem. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, it's kind of prepped anyway. It's okay. Like, it's yeah. not going to be... And it would get to a week where it was... I mean, at the start, it was only like weeks, like random weeks where it'd be like an event every day or like a talk every single day, like yeah. including full-time. Right? And I was just like, oh, that was a stressful week. Let's not do that again. Let's just make it through this one. Yeah. And then it was like a month like that where it was just I'd said yes to things in the future kind of a thing and they all just lined up mm. and oh my god I hated myself so much I'm like I said everything individually would have been great no yeah. problem and it's just awesome and it's that whole thing of like no I want to do this this is great I actually enjoy doing this but oh my god I hate myself <laughs> yeah yeah it's tricky because yeah I loved it um but yeah it's just too much and now I'm so strict with with my commitments and you know using time as like my most precious resource <laughs> no that's and so you took the month off and I'm like glad yeah. that they were like they were supportive to do that in the first place yeah. which is hard enough to find well I think it's getting a little bit easier to find at this day and age yeah. but it is hard to find people being supportive of that yeah I was very lucky I I was really upfront about what I was going through at the time and I got along really well with my uh with my direct boss um so yeah I was and I actually during that month I got my first diagnosis for bipolar as well. So it, 
it was a really tricky time, but it also brought a lot of things together and started making a lot of sense as to why I was even capable of having those long periods of doing a million things and getting away with it because it just turned out that I was probably in a hypermanic episode. Um, and so, you know, the slight superpower people talk about with bipolar, I guess is somewhat there when you're unmedicated, but it also can be detrimental, of course. Um, so that's, yeah. that's when that came about. And yeah, I was upfront with my, um, with my work about it. And when I went back to work after that month, they had put in place like a really strict coming back to work mental health care plan for me, which I was really surprised about. I was like, oh, I didn't know that that was a thing. Cool. And Yeah, I was going to say, like the fact that it's a thing, but also the fact that they were proactive yeah, about it. Yeah, And so I went back and I worked only four days a week and um, I had kind of some strict uh, rules that like people weren't allowed to ask me to be involved in things that were outside of my role um things like that and then in the end I was grateful for it but in the end it made my job really boring um and I had actually automated most of my kind of day-to-day work that I really needed all those other projects for my job to be interesting and um yeah just it just wasn't that interesting anymore and during the time when I was overworked and Um, working in Sydney and things like that one of the things I was working with is our internal deaf team um, building student platforms um, which is kind of where things start to link into tech where I kind of got exposed to it a little bit yeah yeah and I mean like you talked about the fact that you'd automated all your stuff I feel like that's like the little mini like the earliest pathway for a lot of like transitions that I've kind of chatted over the couple of episodes and stuff where it's like yeah. I was kind of already doing stuff and I was like I knew I could just do a better job yeah. at times where I'd see something going wrong yeah <laughs> it's like there it is that's where it's yeah starts. absolutely <laughs> it's like a problem solving mind right and I think like I don't know I guess I consider myself like an excel developer before I learned how to code because <laughs> I just loved a good spreadsheet that could do stuff for me <laughs> Anything that makes my life instead of like instead of clicking eight buttons, I can do one. I'm like, I'm a better. Oh, you can save. This makes, this makes things saving fun. a click. Whew. Satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> this is job well done at the end of the day. I think I'm like, yep, I did something. Yeah, today. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so what was next? So you're kind of at the end of your road a little bit with what's happening. You've kind of discovered most of the kind of job and yeah. responsibilities you could at the uni- university yeah. uh, that it's become now. Yeah. So where, what's, what was next? So at that point, it's kind of like personal life comes back into it. Um, like, a, so my ex-husband had, at, by that point, graduated med school. And we had kind of had it in our minds that I was supporting us through med school. And that's why I was in this job to start with. And I knew working in customer service was probably not like the end goal for me, even though it had been good for, for the time that I did work in it. Um, and so it was always kind of agreed upon that I would get to figure out what I wanted to do once he graduated and he could support me. But as soon as I got that opportunity, I just felt like I had no idea. <laughs> um, so I just, I, I was, yeah, I was really lost with it. And, um, but I, I did end up still quitting my job because I just wasn't in it anymore. And I was still, I was really struggling to find the right treatment for my bipolar. And I really struggled to focus at work. It took me nearly two years to find proper medication for me. And during those times, I had really unstable times where I 
spent time in the hospital for various reasons, whether it was lithium toxicity or suicidal behaviors and stuff like that. So it was really intense couple years, but yeah, I just, I stopped working, had a huge identity crisis. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, one conversation with a friend, I was up in Brisbane where my family lives. I think it was around Christmas time one year or something. And a friend of my sister's who usually he lives during the year in the French Alps and works remotely as a developer for like a San Francisco based startup or various startups. I think he changes jobs all the time, but he's, you know, like a high what a life. That he's I know. Living. I love I this. <laughs> and I, that's what he was doing at the time. I'm not quite sure what he's doing now, but you know, he was earning like a really high salary. He was working from a beautiful place and he's like, just learn how to code. Like you'll get a job, like no problem as a woman, especially at the moment. Cause you know, there's gender quotas, it's fun, pays well, it's flexible. And on the, in the moment I was just like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> and I was just, I was so easily convinced. Um, and yeah, I just went straight online and did like probably like code academy or something like some free online little tutorials yeah. like javascript or something um and I, yeah about I, probably a couple of weeks later i signed up for the coder academy boot camp and like a few weeks after that i started and six months later i was employed <laughs> oops <laughs> became I a developer <laughs> i mean here we are, like, bish, bash, boom, end of story yeah. kind of a thing. But, I mean, like, I feel like you've met Gretch, right? So, like, she would yeah, she was gone through Coda. Yeah, she was at Coda. She, I don't think she was teaching anymore when I started, but she was there in, a, in some capacity and involved in the, in the boot camp still. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, for anyone listening, Gretch has done an episode in the past as well, and, like, she talked about how she got into Coda, and it was she was literally, like, on a weekend she was bored it was kind of similar things of like someone kind of mentioned her thing and she's like okay cool and she's like it's a thing from monday and she started and it's just like yeah it's just such a grudge thing to do where yeah it's totally. <laughs> like yep i'm doing this tomorrow okay but it's really interesting i think a lot of the time it's just a case of like don't let yourself overthink it yes like just yeah just get into it like there's so much online courses available and for free as well like that it's really really accessible at times to yeah. just be like okay let me see how well it'll be a fit mm-hmm. and if it is then you can go do all the other things like yourself like i mean do, going into a boot yeah. camp how was your boot camp experience so we've had a few people who've pivoted into tech using boot camps yeah. and i feel like everyone's experience has been quite similar but also very different at the same time yeah i think i didn't have huge expectations of like what I would learn in the boot camp, if that makes sense. Because I think having yeah. worked in private education, which is what most boot camps are, they're, they're more expensive, they're not publicly funded, and there's, there's a yeah. certain kind of reputation that you're just paying for the piece of paper and you're paying for the handshakes of the people that they'll introduce you to get you a job. And I feel like I went yeah. into it knowing that and I just thought, I'm paying $21,000 to secure an internship because these people will hook me up. And then anything I learn on top of that that will help set me up for success was a bonus to me. (laughs) So I know that's a really backwards way of approaching education. But a lot of the um, other students in my boot camp that had really, really high hopes of learning how to be 
a developer in six months were disappointed because it's really hard to learn how to code in six months. Um, and so <laughs> I definitely had the mindset that I just wanted to be exposed to the different bits that, you know, that you need to know about when you're an engineer. Um, and I wanted to know how it worked on a bigger scale. And then I wanted to have the opportunity to learn more about it in the job or in an internship. Um, so my experience of it in that, that way is... was good because <laughs> I had set my expectations. Yeah. I mean, like, like if anything someone takes away from this is just set your expectations to a level you'll be okay with. Yeah. That's, yeah. Isn't that like the easiest advice to have? Yes. Which everyone knows and kind of forgets all the time. It's hard to, right? Because, we're, I mean, yeah, if you're like a dreamer, you think, great, I can change my life and learn all these things. Um, and you can. I think it's also just about your mindset and how much you've got to give every day because the boot camp, well, the six-month version that I did at Coder is it's nine to five, Monday to Friday, every day for six months. Like That's a big commitment. And I just felt like all the only goal really that I set myself in terms of learning while I was there is just to show up. I didn't, I didn't tell myself, oh, you know, write the best terminal applications or you know make sure you're like acing all the quizzes or the coding challenges in the morning I was just like you don't need to do anything because this is a pass fail scenario you just need to pass the assessment get the piece of paper get the internship all you have to do to achieve that is just to show up every day and try um and so yeah I just I figured that even if I wasn't really focused that day if I still showed up I would somehow learn by osmosis anyway so <laughs> i just just show up <laughs> i know it's a really good way no i'm sorry but that is an absolutely great way of approaching this especially with tech where like i don't I mean i've definitely had days where i'm like i'll spend like four days trying to solve something and i'll just go away for the weekend come back on oh Monday, yeah like five minutes and i'm done and i'm like this is a joke. Like, yes. what is this? I hate this life. But then at the same time, like the high of yeah. getting every, like something working. I know. Next one. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. I hate it. Yeah. But I'm still here. I and think I'm like, that okay, cool. you know, wanting to be perfect in engineering and um, yeah, overthinking things can be really detrimental. So yeah, just like being an observer and yeah, I don't know trying not to stress so much all the time it I feel like it just it kind of just works even though it's not so natural to do most of the time I mean I've definitely gotten very okay with hacking a solution together and then fixing it later like I'm like I need it to just work best solution is a working solution right yeah exactly and I'm like if it needs to look like 70 different pieces duct taped together so be it we like super glue it after like I don't care anymore yeah <laughs> and I think it has helped I mean, definitely in terms of like because I mean I would end up spending so much time just making sure okay like this is not the way like instead of having it in like say a loop where it's like it'll do everything for me yeah. I'll just write it out 18 different times for the first bit because yes. I'm like I just want to see how every step works it'll fix I it do that. and then we'll yeah. go back and like join it yeah <laughs> And I think it's just, oh, but yeah, taking a break. But like, I'm sorry, your experience, as it was different. Like I haven't heard anyone putting it that way. Yeah. And I think it's so important of that expectation setting of it's six months. Mm. There's only so much the human brain can do in six months. Yeah. 
not just however much motivation you want to put behind it or like that determination of being like I will do it I'm like there's a physical limitation there is and yeah I think some of the other people in my class yeah they were making complaints they were like oh we should know this by now we should know this employees want us to know that I'm like what do you want them to fit in six months like it's it's just not gonna work out and then you go for a three-year degree and you're being taught a lot of things that aren't even applicable to the job so you know I, I don't think there's a perfect way to really teach this I think it's it's a it's you know it needs to be complemented but on the work on the job training for sure yeah and I think you mentioned how it kind of was like I just need to pick up the bits so it makes sense moving yep. forward right and I think I mean it definitely applies because I did a degree in financial maths right? yeah actually like it was literally I'm not even joking like we would go in and the lecturer would write with chalk on the board and we would write things down like theorems <laughs> and formulas like <laughs> it's very, as far from tech as you can imagine and, and I mean everything I learned around data science and everything like, was on the job mm. but because I kind of had picked up enough generic stuff before that yeah. I was like okay we can figure most of this out yeah. as we go and I think that's kind of similar in that sense yeah. of okay I know how things work or words will spark something in my head that I can google later and it's fine it's about it's really about knowing what questions you might want to ask right because if you don't know anything then you're just like just lost where am I but if you know (laughs) what that word might mean you're like oh is that how that relates to this and then you've got your you know you're making links and ties when someone's trying to teach you about something or someone's exposing you to new content yeah, it's yeah, all about yeah. yeah, figuring out where to look for the information and how to ask the right questions. And having that base knowledge gives you the ability to do that better. Yeah, no, exactly. And so talk to me then about like how, what it was like actually coming out of the bootcamp mm. with kind of your own experience of like trying to get an internship and stuff. How did that go for you? So with Coder, they, um, we kind of did an internship application through like they've got a contact at the at the college that helps you line up some internships. You can apply for them as well outside of that. Um, but I leveraged that cause I, you know, that's what I was paying my money for. I was like, cool, give me your connections. And I had a couple of interviews. I had a couple of uh, internship offers and I just picked the one that paid me more. Um, which is always, I mean, not always the best I mean, choice. Stage, you but... Just... No, but I, th- I mean, it made sense at the time, right? We're like, you've just spent so much yeah. money learning and spending on the degree. Like, yeah, it has to be done. I was going to be picky about, like, so the internship I picked was a longer internship. Um, and it they, yeah, they paid us. Whereas the other one was going to be a bit shorter and about half the pay. And I just thought, which, which is the one that's going to culminate in a job? Probably the one at the bigger firm mm-hmm. with the bigger budget. Um, and it's, it was a consultancy rather than a design agency. And so I thought, well, I'm going to have, uh, maybe the ability to work in different sides, um, you know, of the puzzle. So I, yeah. I had a good vibe. I think when I was interviewing for the internship, I definitely was going into it with the idea that I was actually interviewing them <laughs> because, you know, I think it's important to understand that yeah, you're committing to them and they're not just committing to you. And it's not, yeah, you're taking a chance on the company as well. And if you see red flags around culture and around how they treat people or, you know, their approach to work or even the kind of contracts they have, 
that you might not agree with, like that's going to become a problem later on. And I, I, there is something to be said for just taking your first job at wherever you can and then just putting in, you know, your hours as a junior yeah. and then finding something better later. But I guess I felt like I had the opportunity really quickly to, to pick where I wanted to go and I felt grateful for that. Um, and, yeah, it was definitely – very. Huh? I'm very glad you talked about the interview part of like it, you're not on the hot seat. Like you have the power, Absolutely. and especially at that at that stage of your career, like I definitely didn't. Like I th- think I had it right. I was like I knew, and it's so interesting how I compare this to. So I haven't really thought about this before, but I remember going in for like graduate like interviews and stuff after college or during college mm. even. And I remember like you know the whole like how do you do interviews well like make sure you have your questions at the end because it shows that you're interested yeah. and I hate like looking back I hate that that's the like reasoning for it it's like yeah have questions that you know what you're getting yourself into yeah. like it should be that not just like um let's pretend you're interested like I mean yes. I always had questions and now it's interesting and I was kind of talking about this recently enough so like since I moved jobs and stuff and I was like I mean, especially in tech right now, the way the market is, like so many people keep reaching out right now because there is such a shortage in Australia at least. And I was like, dad, like, this is so weird. It's like, I'm interviewing them now because they're asking me. What like a whole like turn of tables with like so quickly. (laughs) And I mean, I'm sad that that's what it took me to realize I kind of had that power the whole time. Yeah. Like it's now I'm just like, if I'm not asking questions for half the interview, this is not a good interview because yeah. it's a 50-50. Like, this doesn't make sense to me Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, it's it's we win, It's a win for the company too if you're only going to agree with it if you really want it. Not if you're just desperate for the salary yeah. because it probably means you'll stick around, right? So it's just it's a win for everyone if it's, if it's a proper cultural fit, not just like, cool, I got a job. <laughs> but I mean, obviously that comes from a slightly privileged perspective. Some people just need a job, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah, um, just different versions. And it's, yeah, it's definitely very much kind of that like, I know this was a recent conversation I had around the whole like, you know, right now the great resignation, is that what they're calling it at the moment? Where everyone's just quitting their jobs and stuff. And I'm like so happy for them, right? I'm like, don't get me wrong. And someone's like, I quit my job because I hated the, where it was and it was a bit toxic. But to be able to do that is just such a privileged position to be in to begin with. Yeah. Like it's great. And it, yeah, like we talk about how like just quit it because you hate it. Like you clearly you're talking about how much you hate mm-hmm. this, but it's just so not a possibility for so many people. Absolutely. Out there. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah, too bad about bills and stuff and how living's not free. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> I remember my friend at one stage in college was like, I'm sorry, where did I ever ask to be born into this? Like, yeah. I didn't ask to have to born to be born to pay bills. Like, what is this? It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, no, which is, and I mean, I bring this up essentially just because like, I'm so glad you talked about the personal parts of it. And mm-hmm. I feel like at this stage in the last like six episodes, I've said these exact same things. So, hey, if there's repeat listeners, I'm sorry for saying the same <laughs> thing. But there are lives behind technology and there's lives behind careers and decisions that people especially in interviews just don't kind of think about like I mean taking personal breaks and taking time off where you need it to like just be like no yeah. I'm I need this time right now to just basically survive past this yeah. it's important and I think people don't put enough stock into it like I think people come out way stronger having taken breaks yeah. than just pushing through some jobs at times definitely yeah for sure I was I felt like a 
when I finally did agree to, you know, to, I took my job offer, I was just feeling really comfortable in that decision. Um, and yeah, and like just not stressed. I didn't feel like I was, you know, having to bow down to the people who had hired me. I felt like they wanted me there. Um, and I had, and I wanted to be there too. I felt like there was this mutual respect that kind of came from like feeling like I had the power to say yes or no, um, to the job. And yeah, I felt quite valued pretty quickly in my internship, which I think was really important. It made me feel like I wasn't like, you know, it's, it's definitely not like, oh, you're there and then you're working overtime to try and prove your worth as a junior. And so that they'll notice you. And, you know, I just thought, well, if I'm there past five o'clock they're gonna think you know I don't I have good time management skills like whatever like I'm going home um <laughs> and if I'm not playing table tennis in my morning tea break <laughs> something wrong um you know it was definitely a, a real juggle of like working and being focused but definitely always taking those breaks and leaving on time that was so important to me and I'm glad that it that my the company that I ended up working with really understood and valued that too yeah and I think I mean I don't think people understand at times unless they've been in that position the power Mm. of feeling that valuedness at the start of it and like the understanding of that culture and everything to begin with until you've been in there and you're like oh wow okay this is different (laughs) this is just unprecedented kind of a thing because I remember when I started my like the grad job at Redify and I think my second day or something, they're like, oh, that's in the Power BI like reporting system. And I'm like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Don't even know what that is. Tell me more. And it was literally all of our financial reporting was transparent. Like everyone had access to it. Everyone could see exactly what our turnovers were everywhere. Obviously not like personal information mm-hmm. in there, but like the company stuff that yeah. we are in this company, we're building towards this. Everyone should have access yeah. to what's going on. And I was like, oh, I've been here two days. Why? <laughs> Why are you showing me this? This is a bit weird. But yeah. like, it goes back to that whole like, oh, I'm wanted here yes. and I want to stay here. And it just all lines up really, really well, I think. It's such a good sign from a company when there's transparency like that from everyone. And yeah, yeah, yeah feeling valued, like, especially as an intern, when you, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm just the one that's here to learn and I'm not contributing any value to the company. But they made us feel like we were contributing, like, you know, cultural worth from the start and we were just part of the big thing. And, oh, you know, on my third day at Mental Group, I was on a company ski trip. <laughs> and I was like, cool, this is great. <laughs> Landed the jackpot. Um, so, so you picked the right one. I think I did, yeah. <laughs> so that internship, I'm assuming then transferred over into a full-time job yes so after I think it was a nine-week internship um and yeah uh so Mantle Group has like an umbrella for a bunch of brands and um basically we got a few job offers um all of us so there was four interns in my cohort and we all got job offers to three of the different brands like we could learn become um cloud engineers or um or just standard software engineers. Um, so at the time, platform and cloud stuff just terrified me. <laughs> I was like, no way. Those people are in the basement. I'm going <laughs> to be... I had such a stigmatized view of it. Um, but yes, no, I am now friends with some platform engineers and they're okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're not just in the basement. No, they're, it's good to they've know. They've got <laughs> shitty views sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, um, yeah, got we got an offer and you know, got given the option to have a break and start later or start straight away, and I just went straight into it. Um, it was a little bit of a tricky transition only because because it's a consultancy. Um, getting the job offer didn't mean that I was actually going to be out on a client site straight away because they still had to negotiate placing me um, with a client that was going to be like willing to have um, an associate engineer who's just finished an internship come on to their project. Um, so they were already in talks with ANZ, one of their biggest client, about um, bringing on a bunch of junior engineers to, the, to their projects. Um, but it just took a little while. It took nearly three months. And so during that time, I was on the bench, um, which is what they refer to when, you know, when you're a consultant with no client. So yep. I kind of just felt like, you know, not getting picked on the sports team. Um, and at first I was like, cool, I get paid to hang around the office, eat the free snacks, play table tennis and do self-learning. I mean, I was contributing a little bit to an internal project for a while that um, Mantle were building in-house, like a little mini in-house startup. Um, but yeah, for the most part, they were like, oh, at ANZ, you're going to be writing in Go. So, you know, you should just use that time to upskill and learn Go. So I was like, cool, I don't know what Go is. And then they were like, you'll just be purely backend. I was like, oh, I just thought I'd be writing CSS my whole life. So <laughs> it's like, interesting. I better learn what a you know, what an API truly does. What's gRPC? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, bought a bunch of Udemy courses. <laughs> I just played table tennis and did self-learning for three months. This is, like, the untold truths about consulting, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Don't get me wrong, there's definitely consulting places that are, like, go, go, go. Yeah. Here's more, here's more work. You're in and you're out. And I would hate that. Mm. And then I also hate like six months straight of like, yeah. just learn, you got this, take your time. I know. Like, I am dying by myself, please don't yes. do this. <laughs> and it's so hard to find the good path. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. At first I was like, great, this is brilliant. And then I was like, oh, why doesn't anybody want me? <laughs> and they were like, oh, it's not what it's about. <laughs> like, it's fine, don't worry about it. And I was talking to my mentor and I'm like, this sucks. And he was like, it's just the way it is. It like, is what it it's is. just the way it is. Don't take it personally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the cycles of consulting. And then the minute you're on a client, you're like, oh, I wish I was on the bench. I know. <laughs> I wish I didn't have a hundred <laughs> things to do. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Oh, but look, you, look, you sound so happy at Mantle. And I'm so glad that you found your way to kind of at the moment where it's, everything's working and everything's kind of keeping you challenged and everything's going well. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed it stays that way. <laughs> oh no I'm very happy for you and I'm so glad that you kind of came on and shared everything about it especially like the whole parts of obviously like everything else happens in the background and there's other decisions to be made other than just hey will this be a good step up as a next direction and is this better money mm. which is don't get me wrong quite fairly a lot of people's decision making yeah. um but yeah and then the fact that like as in the like it's such a different experience and I think your outlook on things is very good and I'm very appreciative of the fact that you talked about it oh, thank you. like the whole like set your expectations to and I mean for me like listening to it I was like set my expectations to what 
I truthfully know about myself, which is <laughs> very different to what I imagine of myself at times. <laughs> like for the six month boot camp, I'm like, I could have said, I'm like, I know like fake me would have been like, yeah, I can definitely go in and like learn something every day. And I'm like, there's no hope in hell that yeah. that would actually happen for me. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's so hard keeping it going, but I'm so glad that you shared all of that stuff with us. And thank you. That's okay. Thanks for having me. It's a nice chat. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And look, I'm sure there's going to be loads more coming along. And I mean, we'll definitely get, like, I've literally just recently had, like, one of the past guests who've just moved into a completely new career in technology. And I was like, a path continued. I like nice. it. I'm sure there's going to be so much more coming down the line for you as well, Tess. And we will get you back on and we'll talk more about it once we Sounds do. Sounds good. <laughs> Perfect. We'll be back again with another episode of Paths Uncovered in two weeks' time. Um, until then, stay safe, I guess. <laughs> and keep saying i think that's a good one to end on today (laughs) i think it's fair